of this week's episode, The Rise of Skywalker debuts its final trailer. Is Terminator Dark Fate worth watching? And is it time to head into The Expanse? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Thank you so much for listening to all of our great programs. But it wouldn't be the PCC Multiverse without my good friend. He's our own Luke Skywalker from Pop Culture Cosmos. You got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, and his awesome book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Thanks for hanging out with me once again, my friend. Sorry, hold on. It's a helicopter going over. <laughs> They're after you, my friend. They're after you. Watch out. Watch out. It's SWAT coming after you next. No, I feel like, am I getting swatted right now? Am I cheating on Call of Duty? No, I don't want to even joke about that because then the cops will come after me. Sorry. No, 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 no. I don't want to even do that. So you can't even joke about it. You can't even joke about it. I'm sorry. It's like the world's loudest helicopter. I'm good, man. I'm tired. I'm ready to talk some pop culture, though. It's, you know, hanging in there. But given those evaluations, you fail, you fail, you really fail. Hey, I wish it were that easy, but no, <laughs> it involves like a 20-minute conversation for each parent, so. Oh, my goodness. I am on the other end, so yes, I, I know how that is. But we do have a great show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking at length about the Star Wars final trailer, which was released for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. And by the way, that final trailer, when it was released, triggered off the debut for tickets going on sale. So tickets are now on sale for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. So we're going to be talking about the final trailer, which came out earlier this week. We're also going to be talking about Terminator Dark Fate. And the reviews have been solid. Has it got Josh and I into it yet or back into the Terminator franchise? Or do we still need a lot more to finally regain that faith in the series? We're going to talk about that also coming up. Plus, I saw the first episode of The Watchmen. I'm going to try and convince Josh to see if he's interested in two coming up later. Plus, also as well, number 11 to 20 in our top 200 video games list. That's also coming up later in the program. Marcus De La Garza is coming back onto the show. He's one of our good friends. He's coming up later in the show to talk The Expanse. They had the trailer that came out at New York Comic Con. It's coming out in December on Amazon Prime. We're going to talk about the move to Amazon Prime and what he's excited for when it comes to The Expanse coming up later in the show. And Fallout 76, man, how to make a bad game worse. Bethesda did it once again, and we're going to explain why at the end of the program. But first, my friend, it is Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. The final trailer came out. I want to hear your thoughts before I share my own. It was a trailer. I'll give it that. I don't know. I'll be honest. It's kind of got me excited for Star Wars again. Because you're finishing the story, right? And regardless of how crap 
Last Jedi was, I still am interested in seeing how this comes to an end. You know, they have some really cool set pieces. J.J. Abrams is back. They showed where the Death Star crashed. You know, I'm, I'm still incredibly curious about what, what the deal with C-3PO was because he said, just looking at my friends for the last time, and then his eyes were glowing in the other trailer we saw. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with that, but, like, it's built enough just from what I've seen, you know, and the, the brief moments of dialogue and the fight scenes and just the, the really kind of interesting way the trailer is set up. It's built enough intrigue in me for, to really care about what's going to happen. What are your thoughts, though? I'll tell you, my friend. I've told you before, some of the most epic scenes that I have fallen in love with when it comes to the Star Wars universe have been those big, huge, epic scenes where there's a lot going on, whether it's CGI or modeling or whatever you want to say. There's a lot of stuff going on at one time that just blows my mind. It just has me just all psyched up and just wanting to be a part of the Star Wars universe, if only I could. But when it comes to this final trailer... There are at least two, if not three, major scenes that were shown off in the trailer that were of epic proportions. And it looks like from those moments in time, it gave me the chills and it made me just realize that, yes, this is the end of a saga that we've been waiting nine movies to see. And this really could end it on a good note because you and I have talked about before are lukewarm to disdain for the prequels in the 90s. You and I have talked about before the eh blase fair to the downright hate that we have, that you and I have, depending on who you talk to. Mine is just eh, yours is just downright, it's trash when it comes to some of the films that have been shown in the recent past, i.e. The Last Jedi. I know Solo wasn't exactly high in anyone's list. For me, they've all been like eh, forgettable when it comes to the force awakens and broke one the last jedi solo they've all been eh, not a great experience for me not a bad one but not something i really want to go out of my way and see each and every time so it's not star wars for me even though i love it so much my feelings and thoughts and love for the series it's still based on what came out in 1977 in the 80s and that original trilogy that was put out there so you have this trailer, which I think is the best trailer I have seen in this modern era when it comes to Star Wars. It really captured me. It's got me hooked. I went out and I got the tickets right away, my friend. I got the tickets right away for Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. I'm excited to see it once again, all because of those epic scenes that they were showing off during the course of the trailer itself. Just some truly epic moments that I know are in store for us. What part of it really got you the most? To me, it's just, it's, you know, like I said earlier, it was that scene with C-3PO saying, I'm just looking at my friends for the last time. And then that whole part where Ray and Finn and Poe were, were charging in a battle with Chewbacca and they're running through something, but and all these explosions are happening. Like, I don't know, kind of hit my sentimentality because it's a mixture of like the old and the new. And then like right when they cut from that scene, they show Lando Calrissian driving the Millennium Falcon around. It's just... It feels like everything, all nine movies are coming to. I mean, to is it J.J. Abrams? Does he have a good feel for what the nostalgia for Star Wars? I mean, because yes, The Force Awakens was a, you know, basically, for all intents and purposes, a repeat of the original Star Wars. But do you think that he has such a good hold of the nostalgia that he knows what these fans of Star Wars are looking for? Yeah, of course. Like, even look at The Force Awakens, right? It was 
he saved, he was very good at building suspense towards the moments when we got to revisit the characters that we haven't seen in a long time. Like that whole thing with Han Solo and Chewbacca running, trying to catch the, the creature thing on that spaceship or whatever it was. Like he built a lot of suspense moving towards that part. And so he knows what the fans want. Like Force Awakens, like you said, was just a lot of rehashing on of you know what happened in the earlier Star Wars movies, but with different characters. He knows what the what the people want. Like I know this is going to have a Return of the Jedi feel to it, and I'm it, I'm kind of stoked about that. I'm really stoked for it as well. I cannot wait for it to come out. It's just something that you and I are both now really. We've hopped on board the hype train. We are definitely part of this Star Wars universe once again. It's something that you and I have been down upon on the past couple of years, especially since The Last Jedi came out. And we were really thinking that, man, we're kind of getting burned out on this, especially I know you have said that at length and at nauseum. I kind of held out a little bit of hope, but it looks like you and I are once again back on that hype train heading towards December and Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Once again, tickets are now on sale, and you better get them fast because tickets are at a premium right now for the Star Wars universe. Mind you, they're not selling as fast as Avengers Endgame tickets, but they are selling on par or ahead of anything else in the Star Wars universe before. So you better go ahead and get your tickets fast if you want a good seat that first weekend. I anticipate a big opening, not quite as big again as Avengers Endgame, but still a big opening nonetheless. And I think everybody will want to be part of it because this is the end of this nine film series, this part of the saga. I mean, we're all about ending sagas this year. I think that's what, from a movie industry standpoint, that's what this year should be actually known for is ending of sagas when it comes to the Avengers and the Affinity Saga. And now Star Wars with the Skywalker Saga now ending at this point in time come December 20th. I know you're excited. I know I'm excited. And I hope everyone out there is now once again excited for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. What are your thoughts out there on Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker? Did you get a chance to catch the final trailer? Are you excited to go ahead and see the film? Have you got your tickets already? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Well, my friend, did you get a chance to see The Watchmen yet on HBO, or is it something you're planning on seeing at some point in time? I haven't had a chance to watch it. My plan is to, when Westworld, the next season of Westworld comes out, to get HBO for a month and just kind of knock all those shows out. I've heard good things. I've heard that the first episode is is rough, but then I heard that if you stick with it or you hang in there, that it gets better. But what have you heard about it? I did get a chance to see the first episode of Watchmen. It is really good. I disagree with that person who said it's kind of rough. Everybody that I spoke to have reached out to me and said, hey, that's good. It's really something you need to see. So I actually did get to see it. I thought Don Johnson's performance was pretty good. I also thought that everybody involved with the project was pretty good and how they're setting that universe up. So I'm really hopeful for the series that it will actually turn out the way everybody seems to because it's been a series 
even with what you have as far as what the movie before it, where it went into a vastly different direction than I think a lot of people were heading into, I think it's going to be something a lot of people will like. Regina King as the lead, I think is pretty darn good. And I'm hopeful to see more of what she's going to be able to do when it concerns the Watchmen. I also think Jeremy Irons with him playing, I don't want to say necessarily the villain in in the movie, but you know, as Ozymandias was the villain in the original movie, looks like he'll probably be the, the villain once again in this series. And then of course the group that you know, takes the memory of Rorschach and goes ahead and tries to mess up anything that's out there. To me, it's an intriguing story that I'm seeing already. I liked it. I'm pretty hooked in right now. I don't think it's the greatest thing I've seen this year, but at least it's something very good, and I think it's worth watching. Doesn't this one, from what I understand, this takes place in the same like universe as the Zack Snyder Watchmen, but it's like post, right? So Yeah, everything... it's post. It has to be because Jeremy Irons as Ozymandias is quite a bit older. Yeah, and like I, they're talking about like the Doc Manhattan is still played by the same person. If I was reading the articles correctly, I believe you're correct. But it, this was basically just rebirthing the franchise, so to speak, in a new environment in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and it's showing off exactly what's going on in that environment as far as from a local groundswell point where you have the gang that's rising with the the Rorschach mass and whatnot going ahead and trying to impose their will and, and do things that are trying to go ahead and face off against the law, which is sheriff by Don Johnson. And then you have Regina King who was working with the police force and became a vigilante, but works in cooperation with the police, especially with Don Johnson. You see that chemistry that those two have there and where they want to go and what they want to do to, to try and fend off against this Rorschach army. And I'll tell you right, right now, it's in, very intriguing, but you can see it's going to build up to something much larger, that this is only the tip of the iceberg in the beginning. And I think it's really something that a lot of people should go out of their way to see. It got numbers commensurate with Westworld's debut. So I think a lot of people are already tuned into it with what HBO has to offer Post or Sans Game of Thrones, this is something a lot of people I think will turn towards you before the Game of Thrones prequels come out. So I'm interested to see where this goes from here. I don't think the Watchmen, when it came out, I think the Watchmen movie was before its time. I think if you watch it, it's something that may fit better in today's theater cinema than when it was shown off in its original point of time. That's why it didn't do as well as I think a lot of people were hoping for. But still, it's something that I think with the series that's come out can extend or expand the Watchmen universe a lot more. And I'm looking forward to seeing what they have to offer. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. Uh, It's just it's something that I'll have to catch up on when Westworld comes out. I have a reason to get HBO again, but I'm hearing I'm hearing really good things. And I, I have always been a fan of the Watchmen series, so I am really looking forward to watching it when I can. Well, with Watchmen coming out and getting somewhat good reviews, I'm giving it a good review. I know a lot of other people are as well. I think uh, there is going to be a great future for the Watchmen now that it's getting really good ratings. Obviously not Game of Thrones ratings, but it's still getting a good response from viewers out there. Let's hope that they can keep that audience to expand the Watchmen universe even more. What are your thoughts out there on the Watchmen? Have you checked out the first episode as of yet? 
Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Speaking of reviews, speaking of word of mouth, we got early reviews already out on Terminator Dark Fate, and the reviews are very solid with one consistent theme. The consistent theme is that amongst all these reviewers is they are saying that this is the best Terminator movie since T2. Now, mind you, that isn't saying much. But still, I ask you, my friend, with our, I guess, depleted thoughts when it comes to the Terminator franchise after three straight, I don't want to say stink bombs, but I'll say stink bombs when it comes to what was produced within this century of Terminator films. You're hearing good word of mouth. You're hearing good reviews. You're hearing some good buzz. Is it time for us to get back into the Terminator universe once again? I don't think so. I honestly, I don't care anymore. I have no desire to watch this and like reading the reviews. It's great that they think that is good, but who's to say whatever comes next is going to be good too. And they're just going to keep beating the same horse over and over and not finishing the story. If you add on top of that, all the stuff that I'm reading in the reviews about how like every line of dialogue in there is designed to like make men feel bad about themselves. Like it makes me not want to watch it even more. So like, I, I'm, I love Linda Hamilton. Like I think she's an excellent actress, but you know, like I said about the Avengers thing, I don't care for things that have social agendas in them. And you mix that on top of a movie that I don't really have any desire to see. And it just makes me not want to watch it even more. Well, what type of social agenda does it really have that is screaming out at? Just to me, it seems like it's it's still more of a you know individual that there's a Sarah Connor type individual, and then there's a T one thousand type individual when it comes down to it. This time, there's just another. There's two or three more individuals trying to help out in the form of Kyle Reese has become three individuals as opposed to one because the Terminator in this at this point in time is so much more devastating. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not not to say that like I'm completely uninterested in it. I just like from the reviews that I've read, they all have are like centered around the idea of like girl power, and that's fine. I just like I don't, you know, I look at it the same way I look at like Captain Marvel. You know, it's a good movie, but it's not something I want to go back and watch again. So that, yeah, I think about that that in the context of a movie I don't want to watch in general. Like it just makes me kind of not really care for it, anyways. But I'll be honest, I probably will watch it when it hits on demand just so that I can formulate my own opinion outside of, you know, the things that I've read on the news and stuff. But, you know, my thing with Terminator, though, just in general, outside of everything else is the fact that it's never going to end. You know, it's the same thing with the Predator films. Like it's it always seems like it's going to end, seems like they save the day, but it's just the story's going to go on and on and on until they beat it to death. So, like, I really don't see any point in watching them anymore. Does that make sense? I can understand that. You still have that fatigue, and and it's going to take a lot for you to get back into it, and there's not been enough yet for you to get back into it. For me, I'll probably give it a shot. Whether I do at the theaters, I'm still kind of on the fence, although I'm much more convinced than I was, say, a week ago before the reviews came out, because if that's the case, and, and so many different people are saying it's the best one since T2, mind you, again, That's not saying a whole lot because we've had three stinkers in a row when it comes to the Terminator franchise. It still means something to me. It still means something to those individuals that says that not only does it pay a great homage to the Terminator franchise from the 90s and the 80s 
but it also expands upon it and looks forward to a future because, of course, if it does well, you're going to have to make more sequels, which you and I both know is more of a reality, although Rambo was saying that too, and you look how bad that did. There's no sequel for this one. Right. Well, look at the Terminator franchise, though. No matter how many like bad sequels they make, it doesn't die, though. Like It is a machine in itself, and that's what kind of like makes me not want to watch these movies even more. I can't blame you, my friend. I can't blame you, but I'm on the fence, and I think a lot of people out there are now on the fence when it comes to Terminator Dark Fate, which helps its chances for making some money when it comes out the first week of November. So let's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to hear people's thoughts out there. Please, if you have any thoughts, if you're going to go ahead and watch Terminator Dark Fate that you weren't going to or planning on before, but now that you've heard some good word of mouth on it, good reviews, you're thinking about either going or you are planning on going, again, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Share it to us, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, or also as well, popculturecosmo on Twitter. We'd love to hear your thoughts, exactly why you're now suddenly interested in Terminator Dark Fate. Well, before we head to the break, and then after that, Marcus De La Garza and his thoughts on the upcoming Expanse series coming to amazon prime i wanted to get your thoughts on this while we were going ahead and doing the show i wanted to i was like there was something else i needed to talk to you about and something else i need to talk to you about oh yes the wwe their latest game 2k20 has come out on the market as we indicated and as we talked about on the monday show but in typical video game fashion it's come out as a really uh, as you would say a crap fest when it comes to what's released, not only humongously bad reviews, because this is the first, I, I, th- I think Ukes is not doing it anymore. And after years of trying to refine it, Ukes finally had something decent. They're not doing this version of the game. It's now an in-house 2K studio. Well, this in-house 2K studio has got a lot of shame and a lot of egg on their face because not only do they have bad reviews from critics out there, but there are memes, there are glitches, there are videos shown. This is something that even Assassin's Creed Unity, as far as the facial glitches, the lost digitized faces where you're only seeing teeth and eyes, this is something Assassin's Creed Unity and Mass Effect Andromeda could never live up to because this has gone to their problems multiplied by 10 as far as the technical glitches and the graphical problems that they're having and all the bugs that are now on this version of WWE 2K20. Well, it tells me two things. It says, one, either the game was rushed or the game was created using some kind of new engine. And that always happens when you upgrade from one engine to another. You know, again, we always bring up this example, but look at Mass Effect Andromeda. But that being said, if the it also would have bad effects if the game was rushed. So, you know, that's another issue with these annual sports games, right? Is that they have to be out by a certain time. And if it's not put out in time then it's you know you're going to have a poor quality product and with wrestling games like it's even worse because like the the mechanics in wrestling games are tough because you have to have that you know you're grabbing onto people you're hitting people like you're moving in circles around a ring you're not just running up and down a court so it's a even more complicated to make because i remember when smackdown came out on the playstation one i i loved that game but it was it looked very poor quality and like i haven't played a wrestling game since then but it seems to me like it 
it's something that would need a lot of time to be polished. So if they're just putting one out every year, it's understandable that it would look bad. Like you said, the collision detection is all the importance when it comes to wrestling games, and it must have that collision detection down pat. And if it doesn't, that's an issue. Plus also, when you're making the moves and you're able to go ahead and and use your controller to try and go ahead and perform whatever type of maneuver that you want and it's not reacting to it or reacts to it in a vastly different way than what you're seeing, it sucks you out of the game and takes you out of that experience that you want so badly out of WWE. And that's that's a shame that we're seeing that all over the internet, all over YouTube. There are videos out there now relating the issues and concerns and problems and bugs that WWE 2K20 has. And this is definitely something that is going to be a problem for them that can't be fixed on just a day one patch. This is something that needs to be addressed over the long term. And this could lead to a poor selling game. I mean, I mentioned on the Monday show that analysts have predicted that WWE 2K20 is going to be a top 10 selling game. Well, with all the problems, all the bad word and press, this could be something that just really substantially hurts a game that is traditionally in the top 10 selling games each and every year. So I ask you, my friend, how fast do you think this word of mouth spreads? It spread quickly with Assassin's Creed Unity to the point where Ubisoft really had to scramble and do something better the next time around. And it also hurt Bioware and it hurt Bioware for a long time to come after that because they just have not been able to get on track ever since. Yeah, I think it's different with like a game that is fresh out on a new console like Assassin's Creed Unity because they're still working out all the bugs. Like Xbox One had barely been out for you know a week before that stuff started popping up with these wrestling games and especially with Mass Effect Andromeda game that has such a big reputation. It seems sad to me that a game that is on a generation of consoles that's about to end where you should have been working on this stuff for a long time. You should have all this stuff perfected by now. It's a shame that it's it looks as poor quality as it does. And, you know, especially modern day trolls, like they are anything video game related. If you are in a game and like, or, you know, if you do something poorly in a game or, you know, one of the characters farts and they're not supposed to, it's going to be all over the internet for months, years even. So it's, it's unfortunate that, you know, we we're in the climate that we are in, but it also, I think helps motivate the developers to go around and fix it. Now for a sports game, I don't know how that works. I don't know if that's something that they'll pay attention to at all, if they even care, because it feels like a lot of sports games are just money grabs to me anyways, with the exception of FIFA, which is one of like the top selling games every year. I just, I don't, with a wrestling game, I don't know if like the funds or the time would be put into, I would hope so, but I don't know if that's like a top priority for, you know, the publishers and the developers. What do you think though? It needs to be a priority. Again, there is a situation where a brand new studio that's internal to 2K took over the series, and we're seeing, obviously, the flaws there. But this is something that if you're going to, as 2K, know that you're going to take over the series internally from Ukes, which was an outside studio always creating this for 2K, then if you knew you were doing that, you better have at least a two or three year jump before you go ahead and make that transition. And it looks like they, like you said earlier, rushed this game out to the point where it's completely buggy, beyond playable, getting horrible reviews. I've seen a 4.3 from IGN. I've seen other 
poor grades, other poor scores all across the board. And this doesn't even include a switch version of it, which you know always translates poorly onto that platform ever since the switch came out. All the WWE games that have gone on there have all performed poorly as far as from a critical standpoint because of whatever, the ports there that just don't seem to work, whatever. It just seems to be that 2K dropped the ball this time in a way that maybe even is worse than what Ubisoft did with Assassin's Creed Unity and what EA did with Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah, and it's especially like in this climate, though, like there should... It just makes you wonder also, is there any quality testing going on? Are the, do the developers care or do the publishers care? Because the publishers are paying all this money to get this product out to market. Who's testing these games before they go out? And if they are being tested, like what, what is the quality that they're searching for? Because they should know better than anyone, you know, 2K, especially that gamers will eat you alive especially like look at 2k's last thing with the microtransactions in the basketball game like they don't exactly have the right reputation to be taking chances like that no they don't and if they want to go ahead and continue in this format because you and i both know that with 2k you're talking a lot of microtransactions that they also want to go ahead and build on the game and try to get that environment and that base of consumers keeping on spending that cashola that payola to try and drive the sales even more outside of the $60 game, you got to have a game worth playing. And if you have these kind of glitches, you have these kind of funks, you have these kind of bugs all over the place and make it almost to the point where it's unplayable, then that's a problem that you need to address right away. And that's a thing that is going to have player confidence just degrade even more when it comes to your product going forward because people have such a bad taste in their mouths when it comes to WWE 2K20. What are your thoughts out there on WWE 2K20? Have you experienced a lot of the bugs? Are you frustrated by what's going on with the, the current WWE wrestling game? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up after the break, Marcus De La Garza tells us about The Expanse and what he's excited for for this series that's now coming to Amazon Prime. And then after that, Josh and I are breaking down numbers 11 to 20 on the top 200 video games of all time. And what happens, speaking of bad games, when a bad game gets worse and they add a subscription service to it? We're going to share our thoughts on that on the back end of the show. This is the PCC Multiverse. Get ready for Box Art, a gaming docuseries from Pyre Productions and Rob McCallum Films. If you love video games, chances are there's a box cover or cover image that you love and has stuck with you for decades. In our series, Box Art, we travel across North America to visit with the unknown illustrators and artists responsible for creating the most iconic gaming images of all time. What was once scheduled to be a 90-minute documentary is now a six-episode season packed with unbelievable tales that paint a picture of the gaming industry you've never imagined. Just one of the many pop culture projects from Rob McCallum, Empire Productions. We're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford. It's just a great pleasure to be back with him once again. Not only is he our man in the know when it comes to NASCAR, drone racing, I'm telling you, he's got a plethora of things that he could talk about, fantasy football, just, it just, the list is endless, but for today, this is one of his, I would say, favorite pet projects to talk about because it was a show that many thought was done, it was gone by the wayside, but was picked up by another network. The show I'm talking about is The Expanse. And if you didn't catch the trailer recently that came out at New York Comic Con, I hope you get a chance to because it brings a new light into the 
great series that is The Expanse and what the future may hold for it now that it's moved from sci-fi over to Amazon. And with me today is a good man indeed talking about that. And of course, anything else he wants to talk about when it comes to pop culture, it is Marcus De La Garza. Good to have you back on the show, my friend. Well, thank you for having me back. And thanks for uh, relaying my message last week about the Geico commercials. But we're here to talk about The Expanse, my friend. It did come out as far as the trailer for season four. It's not expected the series for still a little while yet. So we'll talk about that in a second. I want to get your thoughts first off on the trailer itself. What did you think specifically about the New York Comic Con trailer? Honestly, there's a lot of things going on here, right? And there's a lot of questions that I'm sure you've got as far as, you know, will the change to Amazon help the series, that kind of thing. And there's a lot of things that the trailer itself answered a lot of those questions for us. They've upgraded the costuming a little bit. They've made it a little less harsh, a little bit more palatable. You'll see some of the characters kind of wearing some things that are, I guess, less sci-fi-y. You know, sci-fi as a studio is interesting or as a as a company is interesting, well, the way they go ahead and go about things has kind of always been interesting because even yeah. though they've got the backing of Universal, they've always treated their shows and had the look of a seriously low-budget type of feel. And I've never really got on with many of their shows except for Deadly Class, and that's the only show I really liked outside of The Expanse to any degree. And they, of course, they they cut that one. So, you know. Well, and say. the... To kind of build on that point, you know, it's Warehouse 13 was what brought me back to sci-fi years ago. And that was, I wouldn't call that a great show, but it was entertaining. To redirect back to The Expanse here, you know, the, the Comic-Con trailer was amazing. Blew my mind. The visuals were great. I think the uh, the CGI this season is going to be a, a step ahead. And it's it's one of those things that I don't think we really suffered that much uh, in previous seasons. But you have those moments where it's like, man, we could have spent another 10000 on that, couldn't we? <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm just making up numbers here. We don't know how much you know, money it costs to build something like that. And, Gerald, you might have a better idea than I do. Not anymore. Not anymore. The The prices have jumped considerably since I was in the business. Uh, I mean, you're talking a 20, uh, almost an hour, 25-year difference. So that, I mean, just you could talk about inflation now, skyrocketing those prices of, of whatever shot, a scene, now even an entire series or show now costs. I mean, could they be getting at the group rate? Could they be getting a per scene type of charge? It, it all depends on the agreements that they have with these, uh, you know, now fledgling or even uh, diverse number of special effects companies, which were in the smaller amount back in my day. Now they're just all over the place because they're so computer driven at this point in time. You don't need the silicon graphics workstations i did when we were going ahead and and we were doing things on the computer back in the 90s so it's a lot different ball game now my friend it is and i guess to build on that man is we're going to see a, the return of most of our characters I, that'll kind of bridge the gap there but as far as animation and cgi goes you know this this is going to be a different animal this season it's going to be a lot more palatable and even just looking at the way things are shot i don't we're not changing, you know, directors. We're not changing, and I'm sure there's some producing changes here. But I mean, for the most part, we kept our same staff. They just relocated from sci-fi over to Amazon, and that was a beautiful thing. And if the pop culture cosmos listeners didn't follow along with that, I know you mentioned it a few times last year, but there were Discord servers going. I, I'm a member of an Expanse Discord server. You know, shout out to them. And 
it was a beautiful thing to watch people come together and lobby the studio and lobby, you know, whoever they needed to lobby to get things going. And eventually we, we made it to Amazon. And a lot of that was Jeff Bezos was, I believe he was a fan of the show initially. And then he really became a fan of the show once they bought it. So, well, you know, of course uh, he's got the, still the cash roll to go ahead and do so. Yeah. So, but to build on the expanse for uh, the season four expanse trailer, you know, Comic-Con really brought us some really cool things as far as, just visuals alone. And and I, I know I keep saying that and it's a little bit boring, but, you know, we're going to be bringing the Rosinante down onto Illus, which is a brand new planet for us. You know, at the end of season three, we opened up the ring gate and we've got a thousand habitable planets now. And that is going to give us some really, really interesting storylines over the next year or two. You know, season five has already been confirmed by the Amazon. This is going to steamroll some people, I think, you know, as far as people getting caught up on seasons one, two and three getting really involved in season four. I don't see season five slowing down, but you know, this is a different um, season than, we, than we've been exposed to. We're actually going to be on solid ground for a majority of the season. I think, you know, especially in the, or in the book, you're on solid ground for a majority of the season. You know, you still have your space scenes. You have people still up on the Rosinante up in orbit, but a lot of the stuff, a lot of the drama we're going to be exposed to is going to be on the ground. A lot of Holden ex- exploring, proto-molecule leftovers on planets beyond the ring gates. It's going to be a lot of fun, Gerald. I believe so as well. A key factor for the series, though, is how it performs within the first 10 days. Nielsen just started giving out results. In fact, as we were speaking, the day that we recorded this, they first started giving out results of how they perceive success and not so much success as far as ratings are concerned for Amazon. So they can now gauge exactly how well a show like The Expanse, who on December 13th of this year will go ahead and debut on that network, which is kind of cool in the fact that its original air date was in and around that time on the 15th back in 2015. So we're going to have to see in the first 10 days exactly how well it performs. To give everyone an idea of how well a successful show is, The Boys, which is an extremely successful show. Love that it. is. That, that is going to be one of the best shows of the year. And that debuted to 4 million viewers in its first 10 days. Not Netflix numbers per se. They don't have to reach those kind of numbers. But still, those are very strong numbers out the gate. And to give in the expanse any type of idea, even half that much, 2 million, I mean, that's a good sign. But you're right. It, it, getting a, an approval for another season already, even before this four, the season four has started, is a great sign for the future for the expanse. Well, and I'm sure, you know, Amazon's going to do some cost benefit analysis there. And how much of that is, you know, we bought this franchise. We should probably at least throw a second season, at it, you know, a fourth and a fifth season at it. Of course. So. Of course. You're always but, uh, worried, though, because of the ratings on sci-fi. You're not sure how misleading it is as far as popularity is concerned, because the network itself as a whole, outside of what was WWE Smackdown on the actual network itself, how little of it was viewed for many segments of the course of the week for the actual network itself. Right. Here's a question for you, Gerald. And this is something that I, I really think should be interesting for the, the listeners too, is does Amazon release any of their play numbers? I, and we, we just talked about, you know, the tracking of the trailers and stuff. And, but I mean, with this new system, are we going to have better? Yes, guess, you, you will have a better idea because it's the first time you really get to see what the numbers are like for Amazon because Amazon has been, I mean, Netflix, I know a lot of people were wondering exactly how they go ahead and do things. And it wasn't until their shareholders report that they actually would go ahead and start telling people exactly how well their shows do. 
Amazon has always been reluctant to go ahead and release their numbers because their numbers are not even on close to being on par with what Netflix is. But now that we have Nielsen going into the fray when it comes to what they're seeing and perceiving as numbers for Amazon, we now will get to see a gauge of what shows like The Expanse will do like on the Amazon platform. This is really going to be amazing to, to watch the progression of video on demand and what these studios are going to do with it once we have these expanded numbers you know, coming in from Nielsen. So you approve of the change of going to Amazon. You think it'll help the series overall? Absolutely. Better creative direction, I think. Better equipped writing rooms, whether that's bringing in a, the occasional consultant or just having somebody on staff. This is really good exposure for the show, I think. Just moving over to Amazon, things are going to move much cleaner. I'm hoping we stick a little bit closer to the actual book storylines since we'll have a little more leeway when it comes to episode length. You know, with sci-fi, we were constricted by that traditional, you know, 45 minute episode or, you know, the hour long episode with 45 minutes of actual runtime or 40, whatever it is. But now it could be a very loose interpretation of that. It can be. And I think we're going to see some truer adaptation of the storyline from the book because of these expanded, you know, um, so what kind of future overall do you see for season four and beyond? I mean, like you said, season five is already a go. So they don't have to worry about that as far as getting that season taken care of. Where would you like to go that's in more comparison and more aligned with the books? I would like to kind of keep things more in chronological order. I feel like there's been times over season two and season three, we've jumped around, whether that's we're jumping into book three to pull in storylines from book three into season two. And I get that because you've got to just plant those seeds early so that you can tie into the next season, correct? And do you so, think it's more of a cherry picking that's gone on? Because producers have a tendency to do that. They yes. they often cherry pick from stories from the books. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know that's everyone's prerogative, right? Like if you're producing the show, you, you get to pick and choose the aspects that you want to include in this show. It's one of those things I think that when you have a little bit more time and a, a better run studio, things are going to come out a little bit cleaner, a little bit truer to form. Fair enough, indeed. It is Marcus De La Garza, one of our awesome people that stops by every now and then on the Pop Culture Cosmos. Tell you what, cannot thank him enough for being a part of it. But I want to ask one more question when it comes to The Expanse, and that is this. With the right kind of hype, with the right kind of promotion behind it that we're probably going to see during the course of November in what you and I believe is one of the busiest months of the year because you have all the stuff that's going on for Black Friday, you have all the stuff that's going on for Oscar movies, and then you have the hype coming up for Star Wars, The, the Rise of Skywalker. But with the right kind of push for The Expanse, do you see it evolving into something really special for the network in the line of, let's say, what we've seen with The Boys because The Boys is been such a success story for the network? Man, that's a tough question to answer, Gerald. And the, the reason why it is, is, you know, the, the boys came out and it was a totally different storyline. It's something that we've really never seen in, in TV or movies before, really taking that that bad boy side of the, the superhero, right? And even just jumping over to a different studio, I don't think that's going to be enough creative freedom for The Expanse to kind of reinvent itself a la The Boys. You know, the boy is, is hitting with shock and awe. I, I, I can't tell people enough. Really, go watch that show. It is phenomenal. And it really will make you kind of take a look at the way we've looked at superhero stories for the last 10 years. You know, goodness did that better myself. Yeah. And so I guess to really succinctly answer the story, it's, it's not going to be as big of a splash or it's not going to be as big of a in-your-face storyline as the boys, but I think it's going to make a humongous yeah, splash for the platform for Amazon and, and beyond. I just see unrestricted growth for this series. 
whether it's the book series or the TV series. I think this TV series is about to really blow up. You know, we did have good numbers for season three. We'll see, Gerald. I think this is going to be a really formative period for Amazon with their introduction of the boys, the debut of the expanse for them, and then everything else that they've got lined up for the next year. Hopefully fans like yourself of the expanse will get that burst of energy back into watching the expanse. Hopefully the show will evolve even further into seasons four and season five. You're going to come back on hopefully in December to go ahead and tell us what you think of the expanse and where it's going into the future for that show as it premieres on Amazon, because I'm, I'm going to count on you, man, when it comes to that. Yeah. But, you know, there, there are a lot of things that we didn't cover today just because I don't want to give people the storyline before we get right into it. No, no, you don't want to give people that. Yeah. Have them go ahead and watch the old yeah. episodes. Yeah. Watch the old episodes. Let's get caught up. When we get, get back together in December, we'll have some material that we can really cut into I'm feeling ramped up about the fact that these numbers are going to be great for the expanse. It's going to be great for the long-term growth of the franchise. This is something that maybe we'll see. God, I, wouldn't you love to see a theme park partnership with this? <laughs> maybe that's just me though. I would hope so. Something like that. It, it would seem like it's a natural fit for that. It's just name recognition. Is yeah. there enough name recognition for the show to be in that type of platform? So if it grows to the extent that we hope it will, that could definitely be a possibility down the road. Absolutely. Before we head on out, I wanted to hear your update on yourself and what's going on with, with what you're doing and out there. I will tell people we've got some really big changes coming for DRL, DCL, and we've got some new classes of drones that are coming out into the races. So we've got this new class. It's called the X class. It's the beast class. Gigantic. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's bigger than my torso. Let's just call it that. It's very easy to spot in the air. It makes it really compelling to watch big races with these big class uh, drones. So things are going to get really intense over the next six months, eight months. We're going to have some really good growth for that as well. But I'm looking forward to coming back on and talking about some of the major players, some of the major technology that's involved in this, and then look at how they're broadcasting and, and see if we can encourage some people to get out to some of these baseball stadiums, some of these football stadiums that they're hosting the events at. I am going to be making a huge push on the drone stuff. So listeners, if you're out there, look for some videos. They're coming. I'll be sharing them with the Pop Culture Cosmos because it's really intense. Oh, that's awesome. We look forward to it. Can't appreciate enough right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis and we're back to close out the show this is the pcc multiverse if you need a listing of where we're at because we're being played all around the world seven days a week on great radio stations worldwide check out our listing today at pop culture cosmos on facebook where you'll see a listing of many of our over 30 different podcast options as well i know you've got a great thing going on with your book congratulations you suck it sold a lot of copies you're very happy about that I know you've had some issues with the publisher trying to get that out into bookstores, but there is still plenty of ways for you to get your hands on this awesome book. Congratulations. You suck. Yeah, unfortunately, not all the ways I would like people to be able to. But yeah, you can get it on Amazon.com. You can get it on Barnes & Noble. And also, it's now on Powell'sBooks.com. So if, you're, if you shop there, you can check it out there. 
just I would really like to get it into bookstores physically, but you know, like I said, the the publisher has just been a real pain in the butt. So I will not be working with them in the future. But you know, for now, you can do me a huge favor by picking it up from an online retailer. Or if you do have to get it in the store, you just walk up to your local Barnes and Noble and you tell them directly, "I want this awesome book." Congratulations, you suck! From our good friend right here, Josh Peterson. Although, you know, I'm not sure if he's your good friend when you actually order it at Barnes & Noble. But you know what? If you order it, Josh may even say, you're now my good friend. Yes, please order a copy of it. I'd appreciate it. Before we head on out, a couple things we're going to go through right now. And that is the next 10 on our list of the top 200 video games of all time. We're in the top 20 now, my friend. The list is almost done. We're almost finito. It is now numbers 11 through 20 on our list of the top 200 video games of all time. Let's read them off right now, numbers 11 through 20, and we'll start on the back end going down. At number 20, Resident Evil 2. Number 19, Mega Man 2. Number 18, Mass Effect 2. There's a lot of twos there. Number 17, Fable 2. No, I'm just kidding. It's the original Fable. Number 16, Mortal Kombat. Number 15, The Legend of Zelda. Number 14, Galaga. Number 13, Earthbound. Number 12, Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. And number 11, Halo Combat Evolved. So I got to hear your thoughts, man. This is a pretty darn good list. A lot of monumental games right here. Some twos on the back end of the list, but there's still a great list of games right here. So I want to hear your thoughts on the latest list right here, numbers 11 through 20, on our top 200 video games of all time. Uh, Resident Evil 2 I have a lot of experience with on PlayStation. I also got the remake on Xbox One, which is really cool. Uh, it was like my first dive into the you know survival horror games. I also remember it being a huge pain that you always ran out of ammo and that's something they carried over into the remake, which was just as frustrating as it was the first time around. So that was a cool introduction to Leon S. Kennedy. Like the opening of the game is really cool. Always enjoy playing that, but not something I go back to frequently. Mega Man 2, don't really have any experience there. Mass Effect 2 was really good. I remember playing that one for the first time. And I don't know where you stand on, I know you love Mass Effect, but I don't know where you stand on the other three games, but it's always been one of my favorite franchises and it's really a game that I could play over and over and over again. So Mass Effect 2 was, was pretty good. I love the story. I love them picking up, you know, what happened to Shepard? Where's the crew at? You know, it was just fun, like going to these different areas, trying to find out like, what have your people been up to all this time? And then you kind of have that shadow organization, Cerebrus, you know, Cerebus. Cerebrus working behind the scenes and then you, you know you find out that they're not actually your friends and stuff like that so it's something I do want to go back and play in the future but yeah I have a lot of great memories of that Fable I remember this is like the third game I got on the original Xbox outside of Halo Combat Evolved which is also on the list but this was the first like dive into a game where like your decisions affect who and what you become that I was really super into and I was always playing trying to go okay, well, if I do this, this is going to make me look evil and I'm going to grow horns and stuff, so I want to avoid doing this. And they have that little meter that goes back and forth saying where you are on the good versus evil scale. I love Galaga. That's something I always go back to. 
Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. So this is a game that I played multiple times. The first playthrough I had. multiple platforms. Multiple platforms. Don't play the Switch one. It's awful. Full of glitches. But I remember my first playthrough of this, I ended the game with 180 hours invested in this game just because it's hard not... I know you can fast travel, but it's hard not to want to explore every inch of this game just to, like, see where all the dungeons lead to, see what weapons you can get from it all. It's a truly beautiful game. Everything that I could ask for out of an RPG. Lastly on the list, Halo Combat Evolved. This is, like, one of my all-time favorite games. There's just... It came out of nowhere... And it created just this culture of of uh, me wanting to go to friend's house and link our Xboxes up and play that. We spent hours on Hang'em High, Blood Gulch, Sidewinder, stuff like that. And even the campaign, like, I love this game so much that I wanted to actually go through and play on easy, play on normal, then heroic, then legendary. And it's just, I have so many fond memories of this game. And even today, I love to go back and play this game. Like when I'm playing the anniversary edition, I'll switch it over to the old graphics just because it resonates so well with me. And that moment in time when I was just obsessed with this game and like even the first one, they don't give you much to go off of about like the mythology of the game, but like your imagination is still going while you're playing. Like where do these pillars go? What are these creatures? Where are their backgrounds? Where do they come from? Are there any other Spartans out there besides John 117? Like there's so much lore there you know and they granted they kind of messed it up with halo 5 but like it's such a rich game i love it even to this day what games on this list resonate with you i did get 30 hours into skyrim until i hit a game-breaking bug and i just pretty much chucked it away mass effect 2 it is the best of the mass effect series let me go ahead and talk about mortal Kombat as far as hitting the the arcades the controversy that it created but to it. It's a lot of fun. Everybody that was at the arcades at that time lined up the quarters right on the arcade cabinet right there so that they can go ahead and play Galaga. So many people have had fun with Galaga. I'm one of those and just truly enjoyed. In fact, you know what? What do I have right here? I have my own mini version of a Galaga that I play from time to time, even to this day. So I enjoy it. And thank you to my arcade for allowing me the opportunity to play some Galaga. Earthbound, a lot of people are into that, especially as a collector's item. But Halo Combat Evolved as a campaign, it is truly a great experience. It is right behind, for me, Mass Effect 2 as far as a space exploration experience. And there is probably, I'm going to say, I don't know what your feeling on this is, but there's probably no more exciting ending to a game than you jumping to safety in the Warthog because the first time I played it and played it with friends on the co-op, I was screaming my head off as you were jumping to safety in the Warthog. Yeah, that was like a, a super epic ending. Like it was something that you, you want to go back to with your friends. There's so many ways to play the game and I love every single one of them. You can check out our entire list in sets of 10 on our site, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. It's already up to number one, so if you want to know ahead of time, before our Monday episode, what our top ten video games of all time, you want to check out that list ahead of time, go check it out today, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com, or you will actually hear it on our next episode, The Pop Culture Cosmos. Well, my friend, before we head on out, we were talking about bad games earlier when it comes to WWE 2K20, And you notice I didn't really mention Fallout 76, which was a bad game in and of itself last year when it debuted. And yes, that was a bad game. 
I don't think it was to the level of WWE 2K20, Assassin's Creed Unity as a game as far as the bugs in it, or also Mass Effect Andromeda, but it did have a lot of issues. It did get a lot of bad press and obviously hurt their sales. So to make amends for it, and I'm quoting that, and I'm being very facetious when I say that, they decided today to do something to help out the few players that are still playing the game by going ahead and creating something that they've requested, private servers. And they did so by offering this handy-dandy subscription service at $12.99 a month. Gets you these little perks and things of that nature, and you can take up to seven of your friends into a private server and all that. That's great. That's something a lot of people that have played Fallout 76 wanted originally. But to force people to pay a subscription service now after so many, so much bad press about this game, about so many months of hearing how this game is, is just been really disappointing and seeing the results and seeing the sales of how disappointing this ultimately will be and where it will fall into the Fallout series. What are your thoughts on adding insult to injury by Bethesda slapping another $100 just to have you enjoy the game? It's desperation. Fallout 76 is a game that will never be good. You know, it's a game that will never be well received by people. So I think they just got desperate and they're trying to do anything they can with it to recoup some of the costs that have gone into it. And it's just, it's not working until it goes like, I love the the model that Elder Scrolls Online has, right? Like if you want to, you can have access to a few different character builds for free and explore the world. But if you want anything more than that, you got to pay for it. And that works for them. That should be how Fallout 76 launches. They should shut it down, give people time to get over it, and then relaunch it with this system that lets you play the game for free to a certain point. And then you could pay for it if you want to see more of it. I was surprised that they didn't do that in the first place with Fallout 76, but making it so in order for you to enjoy it, you have to pay $100. It just it doesn't make sense to me. And it seems like they're trying everything they can to make this game still be relevant and make money but then it goes to show you like all they care about is making money so why should you bother playing it in the first place any goodwill that bethesda had is now gone when it comes to fallout 76 it's just a shame that they went ahead and did this it's the final stroke in making fallout 76 one of the most disappointing games of this decade what are your thoughts on the subscription service for private servers for fallout 76 Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, I want to thank Marcus de la Garza for sharing his thoughts and sharing his excitement on the upcoming Expand series, now heading to Amazon Prime in December. Also as well, I want to give a big shout out to one of our greatest supporters on our WordPress site, the popculturecosmos.wordpress.com site, and that is Mickey Todd 747 You get a big thumbs up for us. We see all the stuff that you're liking when it comes to the Pop Culture Cosmos and all of our other shows and all of our other articles. So we cannot thank you enough for stopping by popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. You get a big thumbs up from us. All right, Josh, we got a Halloween episode coming up on Monday for the Pop Culture Cosmos and a lot of other great things, including our top 10 of the 200 video games of all time. Any last thoughts on the way out? No, I think we covered it. Excited to get to the end of the list of video games and begin whatever lists we're about to do next. We are going to announce what we're going to do next when it comes to a next top 100 or top 200. We haven't decided that in full yet, but we'll announce what people can vote on next in a top series coming up here next week. But for Monday, again, our Halloween episode, plus also as well our top 10 video games of all time. 
All that and more coming up on our Monday show, The Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day.